Howdy folks and welcome back to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. I am your host, Matt Sapala. For anyone that is joining the conversation for the first time, firstly, welcome and thank you so much for jumping on board. Secondly, a little bit of background about myself. I'm a qualified personal trainer and I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. I'm extremely passionate about holistic health, longevity, and sustainability. Through this platform, I aim to add value to your life by educating and inspiring you to create helpful decisions each and every day that add years to your life. I don't wanna be your quick fix, I want to be your only fix. With that being said, I am delighted to bring you this week's special guest, plant-based dietitian, Beck Norris. Beck is extremely passionate about nutrition and optimizing our environment so that we can thrive both inside and out. This conversation is extremely insightful and very thought-provoking as Beck and I take a deep dive down the route of plant-based pregnancy and how to create an ideal growing environment for your baby through the power of plants. Beck takes us through the nutrients of concern all the way from preconception through first, second and third trimester and even postpartum. We also debunk some common myths associated with a plant-based pregnancy and answer some hot community questions a bit later on in the show. This conversation is specifically designed for parents who are currently thinking of having a baby or parents who already have a bub on the way. I would love to preface this conversation by saying that the Euphoria Health Podcast is not designed to be medical advice and any recommendations are of a general nature only. For more specific advice, please consult a qualified health professional as everybody's individual circumstances may differ. In combination with the podcast release, Beck is about to launch a program specifically for you ladies. The Prep Your Body program is designed for vegan and vegetarian ladies that want to grow a healthy baby and maintain or switch to a plant-based lifestyle during pregnancy. The number one key to a healthy plant-based pregnancy is preparation. So whether or not you're planning a pregnancy in the next three to 12 months, this is the perfect way to make sure you're getting the right nutrients and to give you and your baby the best possible start to motherhood and life. The course registration starts on August 2nd and closes on August 6th. Beck has also arranged a complimentary 30-minute virtual private consultation for the Euphoria Health community and listeners of the show. You can use the code EUPHORIA30, that's Y-O-U, the number 4, I-A, 30, on Beck's website to claim this. Or you can head on over to the show notes and shoot myself or Beck a message for the link. Well, guys, I hope that you get as much out of this podcast as I did. It was extremely insightful, and I can't thank Beck enough for sharing this information with us all. Happy listening, friends, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, Beck, thanks for coming on the podcast today. I'm super stoked to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. 
this has been in the pipeline for let's say 18 months now, I'm going to say, or the best part of it. Um, I was introduced to you virtually by a mutual friend from Dr. Andrew Little. He um, promoted your stuff on Instagram and I thought this is amazing. I love the work that you're doing. Um, been following your journey ever since and yeah, super, super stoked to get into our chat today all around plant-based nutrition for pregnant mums or mums-to-be and providing the great um, nutritional aspect so you can create an environment for a baby to thrive. So I'm super, super pumped to dive into that. Yay, super exciting. And I was just telling you, I have lots of notes. So um, let's see how much we get through, hey? <laughs> 10 pages for all of you that weren't listening before. So this one should be an absolute goodie. I'm so, so pumped to be able to pick your brain. Beck, before we dive into this and unpack that can of worms, for the listeners at home, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what got you inspired in the realm of plant-based nutrition? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Beck Norris. I am a plant-based dietitian that has a very strong interest in pregnancy and specifically preparing the female body for pregnancy. It's something that uh, not a lot of people are doing, but I specifically help eco-conscious ladies really prepare for pregnancy and make sure that they're getting all those essential nutrients so they can grow a healthy baby without jeopardizing their values or the beliefs um, and also the health of the planet as well. I guess the beauty of the whole plant-based realm is that you may only be focusing on one aspect, whether that's the environment, whether that's your health or whether that's the animals, but subconsciously or like without even aiming on these other impacts as well, you're having a, a large scale impact on all three. So I think that's what's the most exciting part about this this sort of realm? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely like to call it the ripple effect. And like I said, not a lot of women are necessarily preparing their bodies for pregnancy, but by doing this, we're actually not only filling up our own nutrient cup to prevent deficiencies during pregnancy and also in that postpartum period, but we're also impacting the health of our kids and our potentially our grandkids. And we'll talk a little bit about egg health and the intergenerational impact in a minute, I'm sure. But also, like you said, you know, the health of the animals and a kinder planet um, and healthier planet for um, our future as well, which is, I must admit, is one of the biggest reasons why I've combined my love of fertility and pregnancy with plant-based nutrition it's because it's literally that three-pronged approach, you know, ourselves, the next generation, and then also the planet. And I know we were chatting off air before about some of the myths that are associated with plant-based nutrition and in particular mm. growing a, or creating a healthy growing environment for a baby. And I can't wait to unpack those later. And uh, I'm really inspired by the work that you're doing. I feel like there's a, a huge gap in this market in terms of education and practicality of how to implement these these quote unquote tips um, and yeah, create that environment for a baby to thrive. But before we unpack that, Beck, how did the, mm. the plant-based nutrition journey start for you? What was the catalyst that made you decide enough's enough, I'm going to go plant-based or was it ever since you were born? Talk to us a little bit about that. Mm. Yeah. So I actually come from a very diverse family in the sense that one side is strong 
uh, probably strong Catholic, strong uh, Italian, <laughs> where food is a really big part of uh, our culture and our family. You know, just like most cultures, there's always food with celebration or food when you just go visit your grandparents, little things like that. Um, and then I also have on the other side and also with my parents, I have three chefs in the family as well. So food generally has always been a really big part of who I am. Um, and I try to kind of follow in the footsteps of um, my auntie who wanted to be a vet. And I always knew that, you know, being a vet meant that I could um, ensure that the animals, um, you know, had really good, I suppose, welfare standards. And, you know, as a little kid, I kind of just gives this ideal of being a vet and making a difference. Um, but then as I got older, I started to realise, okay, there's really big problems with um, the livestock industry in particular. Um, also in captive animals, there's issues there. Uh, but I decided, okay, I'm going to be a livestock vet and help all the livestock animals that are literally going overseas uh, in export. And I basically wanted to shut it down, <laughs> which is massive goals, like massive goals, not only to improve the welfare of those animals, but also try and shut down a huge industry. And to be honest, Matt, I tried to get into vet school uh, probably nearly eight times, I would say, from, you know, ending high school to um, the start of my master's degree that whole time, which is five years. I applied every single year plus, you know, the media intakes um, and I never got in. So I decided, you know what, I need to pivot and bring it back to that food and doing a bit of research myself. I started to really discover that food is actually what can make the biggest impact on the animals, on our own house and the planet. And that's when I applied to be a dietitian. And in terms of my own personal journey um, to plant-based nutrition, I it's been a journey. I've always probably been more vegetarian than anything. Um, I was still eating meat pretty much throughout my entire 20s. And then there was a day that I was just like, enough is enough. Like, why am I doing this when it doesn't really make me feel good anyway? From a health perspective, it doesn't align with the values. Um, so I still, to this day, I don't call myself vegan, but I definitely follow a predominantly plant-based diet. And mostly because I like flexibility in there. Um, I went vegan for a little bit and I actually caused myself a little bit of obsessiveness over food. And because I'm a dietitian, I can pick the uh, or I have the awareness around yeah being a little bit too obsessive about health a little bit too obsessive that it could potentially lead down eating disorder path so I pulled back and now I just focus on what makes me feel good which is a predominantly plant-based diet. Beck, I absolutely love that approach and ditching the labels. I think that's something that we really should start to emphasize within this nutrition and, and health and fitness realm. I know particularly in my line of work, everything that we do, whether it's fitness or nutrition, has a label attached to it. And I guess I'm going against the grain a little bit and trying to help people incorporate more sustainable habits into their life and not having to put a label associated with anything. So I think from what the research tells us, if we can look from a whole point of longevity and adding years to our life, the more fruits and vegetables that we can incorporate into our diet without labels attached, the better off we're going to be and the, the better health outcomes we can have. So I really resonate with that. 
Yeah, I love that you brought that up. I've never been someone that um, gels with labels and I think it just puts us in a box. And you know what happened if what happened if something happens in life and you need to kind of shift who you are or, you know, you don't have the food availability to be vegan or vegetarian? Like I think it can be really restrictive um, and what is better is actually listening to your body and saying, okay, eating this particular way, whatever that looks like, feels really good, I feel strong, I feel energised um, or not and making small changes that are in line with with you and your lifestyle and who you want to be rather than what an external source is telling you you should do love it Beck. now I, I'm really excited that you've combined your two passions for your two deep passions for animals and food and you've come and brought this wonderful thing together and you're creating an educational resource for all females and all parents out there as well that they can typically respond to and educate themselves on how to incorporate more plants and in a safe way the female body is extremely incredible and there the amount of different hormonal pathways and whatnot that's going on inside the the female body is absolutely it blows me away every single time so I'm really, really excited to take a deep dive from preconception to birthing for a, a plant-based mom and how we can optimize those nutrients and make sure that, yeah, we're growing those or creating the ideal environment for a fetus to grow. I'd love to preface this conversation by telling the listeners why it's so important or asking you, why do you think it's so important that we get tailored advice that's very personalized for this whole approach and we can't just utilize a one size fits all um, sort of mentality with this? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I think if we just take a step back, you know, for, for the listener, if you're a partner or a friend or even, you know, you're, you're female yourself and you're thinking about having a pregnancy that is either predominantly or exclusively plant-based, think about all the experience that you've had up until this day. Everyone has had such a different journey. Some people have been plant-based for majority of their life. Other people have only been plant-based for one to two years, or some are even just starting to think about, you know, is this the best option? So aside from diet, there's all those other things as well, sleep and stress and our work life, quote unquote balance. Um, so everyone has had a different journey. And when we start to understand that, that means that where you are right now means that your health is going to look very different to the next person because all of those factors actually impact where you are right now. So having said that, that is one of the reasons why it's important to have tailored advice is because what you need may be completely different to what I need. For example, I don't have an iron deficiency. I've never had an iron deficiency. So I may not need to supplement iron in the lead up to or in that first trimester. Whereas someone else has had really low iron for majority of their um, their, their time during, um, you know, having periods and things like that. Um, and some women have even, you know, consistently got iron deficiency, then, you know, they may need to actually supplement and boost iron before pregnancy and monitor throughout. So that's just one example and one nutrient, you know, how many essential nutrients are there are during pregnancy, but it is really important um, to get tailored advice because you can also go too high. So research shows that you can get too much iron as well, and especially heme iron, which is animal iron. Um, you can get too much and that can cause growth restriction in baby as well. So there's kind of this balance between 
getting enough and feeling really healthy and good for it and growing a healthy baby and getting too much and actually going the opposite end of the spectrum. Iron is one of those nutrients and also vitamin A too. I guess that's where you come in to bridge that gap. Now, Beck, you you sort of highlighted it before. There's a, a plethora of different nutrients of concern that we should be focusing on during plant based uh, during a plant based pregnancy. For the listeners at home, can we sort of give an overview of what they are and, and briefly describe what they do in the body? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, when we're planning a pregnancy. The first thing to remember is that the environment around us impacts our sperm and our eggs. Specifically for women, it takes three months for eggs to mature. So that's from um, a small oocyte literally going through the process that it does and, um, you know, you ovulate and you release an egg. So that entire three months, the environment is impacting um, the quality of that egg and inside the egg is the DNA and when I talk about the environment nutrition is one of the factors that is going to play a really big role in egg quality so when you're preparing for pregnancy you want to focus on you know from a broad overview lots of color on your plate lots of fiber lots of plant proteins but when we look deep into the micronutrients we want to focus on omega-3s we want to focus on folate and iron as well. When we look at omega-3s, again, it's coming down to egg quality. We know that omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, but they also are really important uh, with egg quality. With folate, folate is really important for basically cell regeneration. So every time you, uh, well, when you fall pregnant, you know, it's a bunch of cells, basically, it's replicating and you need folate to help the DNA replicate again and again and again. Without that folate, it's not going to happen. Um, and, you know, lots of mums and lots of dads or future dads probably know that folate is needed to close the neural tube, which forms the spine. And that's because there's so much cell replication happening um, to, in order to do that. So folate is really important for that. Iron Iron is one that we need mostly for energy, but also on a cellular level, iron is really important. Um, just something t- for plant-based moms to know is that your iron requirements increase by about 50%, um, starting in the second trimester. So if you're going into pregnancy with low iron or iron deficient, then please, please, please get your iron up beforehand. Just take a few months to take a breath and get that nutrient up before. Yeah, I think they're both really, really important things to know when you're starting to plan sort of or or having this conversation with your partner about planning to have a child and often it doesn't happen like that but I think if you can bulletproof yourself and give yourself the education to be able to know roughly what's happening from a nutrient point of view and how that impairs the, the growth environment I think it's really really important. You touched on this was the preconception phase. So when you're planning to have the planning to have a baby, do you think that or does the nutrients of concern change or are there any things that are added to these this sort of list as your pregnancy goes along? Yeah, absolutely. So um preconception is really important. And just like you said, Matt, um, you can't, not everyone can prepare. I totally understand that. But if you have the choice and if you have a bit of time up your sleeve, even if it's a month, it's going to make a difference. So yeah, just doing what you can and asking for help. Put your hand up and ask for help is what I always say. Try not to do it yourself. 
But once you are pregnant, first trimester um, is really about laying the foundation for your baby. So um, all those cells are replicating and um, some of the key nutrients here, in addition to that folate, which I just mentioned, is choline. Now, choline is not really talked about. Um, you'll probably see lots of prenatal supplements um, emphasizing the importance of folate or folic acid, but only a few, very, very few are starting to include choline. Now, choline is just as important as folate. It's needed for DNA synthesis and it's really important for the nervous system and cell signaling. So allowing cells basically to talk to each other is why we need choline. Um, in terms of where you can get choline from food, actually, lots of people talk about the fact that you can only get choline from animal foods. But that's not actually right because choline is found in so many plants, like lots of different plants. I literally have a whole one pager of all these plants that have choline in them. And some of the most important ones or the easiest for the easiest plants to get your choline uh, are your soy foods. So tofu, edamame, um, and then also mushrooms as well. If you are including eggs in your diet, if you're only predominantly plant-based, then two eggs is going to meet your choline needs. I just forgot to realise that we forgot to talk about the practical element for omega-3 folate and iron and what are those sources <laughs> of foods for, for preconception. If we could quickly take a little detour and then get back into the first trimester, Beck. Sorry. Yeah, I can cover that as well. I mean, folate, let's touch on that again because it is really important in um, not only preconception but also in that first trimester as well. And like I said, DNA replication is happening. You know, you're developing all those new cells for not only baby but also you. You know, your uterus is getting bigger your your blood volume is getting bigger like that's all cells so folate is really important in terms of where to get it you can find folate in lots of leafy green vegetables in strawberries in cashews asparagus and of course that well-known one which is avocado um, I really do love the fact that nature is so clever. I don't know if anyone's seen this, but an avocado, when you cut it in half with the seed in it, is pretty much like a pregnant belly. Um, so, you know, that's nature's indication to eat more avocado. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever going to look at avocados the same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And fun fact for you that avocados, it takes nine months uh, for an avocado for the fruit to be to be ready i'm pretty sure it's the fruit to be ready or to grow an avocado and it's to sprout fruit so there you go it's pretty similar to a human pregnancy as well <laughs> that has blown my mind <laughs> can't wait to tell everyone little about things. that yeah <laughs> in terms of omega-3s i'm happy to touch on that again because it is really important in trimester one as well um, we're talking about anti-inflammatory properties of omega-3s, but also really important for brain development as well. So um, trimester one, you're laying the foundations and some of that or a majority of that is the entire nervous system and that includes the brain. So making sure that you're getting your omegas from chia seeds, hemp seeds, walnuts. Now, this is going to be a source of what they call ALA, so alpha-linoleic acid, which is not a direct source of DHA. DHA is actually what we need and the body will convert ALA to DHA, but there's a caveat here and that is that not everyone can convert ALA to DHA. And even if you can, it can be as high as 10%. 
So it's really, really low. And that's why for most, pretty much all my plant-based moms that I see, I will always recommend a vegan DHA, which is basically going straight to the source. It's algae. It's going to be algae oil. Um, and yeah, algae produce their own DHA. The fish eat the algae and that's how you get DHA from fish. So our common omega-3 supplements that we see in supplement stores is, is fish oil, but with the actual algae supplementation, we're going direct to the source and we're, you know, avoiding that, that middleman, quote unquote, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And not everyone talks about this either, but when we consume fish, there is a risk of, uh, you know, containing or intaking other toxins as well, like mercury, dioxins or just like pollutants that are found in the environment so if we can go for a clean version of algae then we're going to be bypassing that middleman and reducing the risk of exposing us to other toxins as well yeah love that i think that's a really really important thing to highlight as well there beth and iron we talk we typically hear about ways that we can maximize our our iron absorption and and foods that have a high percentage of iron for people that have never heard of that before where can they get their sources of iron from yeah so iron we pretty much want to focus on your green leafy vegetables anything that's really dark green is going to have a lot of iron in it but also your fortified foods so um, some plant milks very rarely but some do have iron added to them um, and then also your your grains and cereals, any whole grain is going to have iron in it. Like even though quinoa is a seed, <laughs> quinoa um, is in kind of the grain category from a food perspective. So um, quinoa is a really good source of um, iron, any um, kind of, yeah, whole grains, whole grain bread as well. And then when we're talking um kind of nuts and seeds you do want to be focusing on pumpkin seeds um and things like that a really really easy way to kind of add them to your daily diet and be getting enough iron it does increase to 50 milligrams or 48 milligrams to be exact in second trimester which can be really hard to get in food and remembering even if you're getting 48 milligrams of iron from plants you may not be absorbing all of that. So it is really important to either check in with a dietitian and see, are you getting enough or do you need to take a supplement? Um, or there's little things that we can do to optimize your iron, like separating your iron foods or your supplement away from tea and coffee. Also making sure that you're separating it from calcium containing foods. So your plant milk that has calcium added, if it doesn't, it should. <laughs> um, making sure you're not taking that uh, with your supplement or at the same time as like a really iron rich meal. So you're having a stir fry or something. You don't want to have a glass of soy milk on the side that's fortified with calcium because it's going to interfere with the absorption. Um, some other little things as well is pairing your iron rich foods with vitamin C and also beta carotenes. So vitamin C increases iron absorption by up to 67%. And I remember I was running like a, a mini group program a few months ago and someone asked me, is it worth it? Is it worth combining iron rich foods with vitamin C? And the answer is 100% yes. You can increase your iron absorption by up to 67% with 100 milligrams of vitamin C, which is basically like a cup of broccoli. So pairing your, you know, green leafies, your grains and cereals, whatever you're having that's rich with iron with, you know, an extra half a cup of broccoli means that you're going to be, 
boosting your iron, uh, the amount of iron you can absorb. So it is totally worth it. Another little tip is vitamin is um, capsicum to your stir fries. I think I've uh, started doing yeah. that a lot more just for some extra absorption with the dark leafy greens. Yeah, so capsicum, depending on the type of capsicums, you know, in different colours, um, you're going to be getting the vitamin C. But also if you're, if you're getting an orange or a red capsicum, it's also going to have beta-carotene in there. And I know I mentioned that just before, but beta-carotene is your plant-based vitamin A and has been found to increase the absorption of iron found in grains. So, yeah, you don't need to know the nitty-gritty. That's my job. But, yeah, just like you're doing lots of colour on the plate and lots of variety and making sure, yeah, you're not just eating one type of food all the time um, is a really good way to make sure that you're, yeah, you're getting enough and you're on the right path. The other little tip I will give is spinach. So spinach, everyone, well, if you don't know, you know now that, that spinach contains quite a lot of iron, but adding raw spinach to your smoothie or to your salad isn't as good as cooked spinach. So cooking the food will actually break down the phytates, which phytates is a compound in plants that actually can interfere with iron absorption. So cooking uh, the green leafies, the spinach is the better way to go. And sometimes even just adding cold cooked spinach to your smoothie, even if it's a little bit, is going to be better than the raw stuff if we're focusing on iron. I love that. And I guess uh, it's important to highlight here that for people listening along at home, this is a lot of information to digest at one point in time. I guess... Beck, I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on it later in the podcast, but the the main point of this sort of chat isn't so people can go out and do it by themselves. It's just arming them with the education and the knowledge. So when they hear these things again, they're sort of like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then working alongside someone like yourself to help maximize these nutrients of concern. This is by no means telling you to go out and do all these things by yourself. Just little things that you can have in the back of your mind when making that smoothie or when adding you know, the, the spinach, the broccoli, the capsicum to your stir fries that are going to help boost the process. Yeah, absolutely. Really good point. And I think, you know, I even get overwhelmed. So it's totally normal for, you know, expecting mums or women that want to have a plant-based pregnancy to feel like, oh my God, how am I going to do this when it feels so difficult? There's so many essential nutrients that I need, but it's not about being perfect it's about knowing those small little tweaks and swaps that you can make and working with someone that you really trust, that you can, you know, confide in and ask, you know, how do I actually do this? Do I need to add animal foods in because I'm not getting enough? Or is there a better supplement I should take? Please do not do this on your own because that's what, if you're down, if you have any doubt, it's because you don't, you're not feeling confident in getting enough of the essentials. Love it, Beck. And I guess before we go into the second trimester, the, um, this sort of the premiership quarter, if we're going to, ref- we're going to refer it to, to football terms, what are, we've spoken about some nutrients of concern, but on the contrary to, are there any foods or any sort of supplements or any things that we should be avoiding during this sort of preconception first trimester phase? Yeah, um, I think something that's really important is generally to get your prenatal tailored to you. So I know lots of Uh, Women my age who are, you know, I'm actually turned 30 tomorrow, Matt. (laughs) So apparently the clock is ticking. Um, But I know lots of women my age who haven't had babies yet but are thinking about it will just go and buy an off-the-shelf supplement or take what their friend took, even if it is a really good 
quality one. And although that seems okay, it's not. And the reason that it's not is firstly, it's not tailored to you. So you could be completely nourished, completely not nutrient deplete. You could be the opposite end of the spectrum and therefore not need every single nutrient. So you're wasting your money and you could be going overboard on some of them like vitamin A and even like iron. The other reason is supplements are not um, regulated. So they can put on the label whatever they want. So unless it's third-party tested, there's no guarantee what the la- what it says on the label is actually in the product. Um, so that's probably the, the biggest thing I would be avoiding is just taking any supplement or what your friend recommends. I love that. Well, happy birthday for tomorrow, Beck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess just showcasing the importance of speaking to someone like you during this this stage is really, really, really relevant. And I often joke about this a lot, like with within my podcast and within my community that nutrition conversation and nutrition education often comes from the Facebook newsfeed or what our friend did. And we never specifically plan appropriately or go and gather our own information or our own resources on nutrition science. So I think there's something that we can all do and that's arm ourselves with the education for ourselves and research ourselves about nutrition science and what's going to work for for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's a lot of information out there, not only on Instagram from friends, um, but also there's a lot of science out there that is confusing if you don't know I was you know telling you before Matt before we started recording like there's if you don't know what you're reading you don't know if the quality of the study or if the media has just pulled something out that they think is you know a catchy kind of headline so you can go and do the research I encourage you to do that but the question I have for you is how do you know it's personalized to you how do you know it's the best advice to you yeah, definitely, Beck. definitely. I think that's a great segue into our second trimester. And this is where we start to see a lot of those physical sort of changes, the, the bump starts to appear, um, other things associated with pregnancy. I'd love to highlight some areas and nutrients of concern during this phase. Yeah, so I touched on iron and and second trimester is where your iron really starts to ramp up. So just for the mums that are really struggling with nausea and vomiting in first trimester, iron can really exacerbate that. So if you're coming into pregnancy and your iron levels are okay, that's probably something you can drop. But again, if you're unsure, if you don't know which direction, just speak to me or another dietitian and we can prioritise what you actually need to be taking but trimester two, iron requirements go up by 50% and will basically continue to go up um, until breastfeeding where your iron requirements uh, drop a little bit. Beck, so sorry to interject. Iron. For people yeah. at home, why does the iron intake go up and why do those requirements go up just before we take it any further? Yeah, so iron is really, it's needed for growth and development. So you're not only growing baby, but you're also got all these other kind of organs now. You've got a uterus, which is also growing, um, and your blood volume increases as well. So where your blood volume increases, you need more blood cells, and where there's more blood cells, you need more iron. Awesome. Okay, next nutrient. (laughs) 
So iodine is something that isn't really talked about, um, but it is really important for all all mums, but especially plant-based mums. So um, we need iodine for a healthy thyroid. And when you're pregnant, your baby is completely relying on your source of iodine. Um, So if you yeah, have had low iodine in the past or um, you're not taking iodine as part of your um, your prenatal uh, or it's not um, a lot in your diet, then you could be risking not getting enough. Um, you can get iodine from iodized salt, which is actually what I recommend cooking with because it's an easy way to get enough. You can also get it from seaweed, um, and also uh, like commercially made breads, which are going to use iodized salt because they have to. Um, if you're not taking any of that or not having any of those in your diet, then a supplement, definitely, unless there's an underlying thyroid condition, but yeah, including uh, an iodine supplement. One of those nutrients that we hear alongside iron where we hear a lot about it, we just don't know how to implement or maximize the absorption of iodine. Similar to, I guess, iron and vitamin C, are there any foods combining together that can help enhance or is iodine really bioavailable in terms of um, absorption within the body? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't know of any foods that are going to increase the absorption of iodine. Uh, What I do know is that in Australia and in America, the uh, amount of iodine in the soil, which is where you're going to get where the plants have iodine from, um, isn't isn't high enough. We're basically iodine deplete in our soil. So the only way you're going to get it is from seaweed or iodized salt or the, you know, the bread that I mentioned. Some people do mention or talk about that dairy is a really good source of iodine. It is, but it's added in. So um, it's not a reason to add dairy back in if you don't want to. Sorry, that's my washing machine going off in the background. I'm not sure if you can hear that back. <laughs> little chime having. No, I think that's a yeah, really important important thing to highlight in terms of other nutrients of of sort of concern or to highlight are there any further ones that we should be highlighting in the second trimester or contrary to any things that we should start to to avoid um within our diet yeah zinc so the other one is zinc is really important um it is needed for a healthy brain, for sex organs, immunity, and of course, hormones. And one of the biggest hormones that we need to get us through labor. So making sure that you get having enough zinc throughout your pregnancy. You don't need oodles and oodles, um, but the requirement does go up to about 11, 12 milligrams during pregnancy. Similar to iron, though, it can be a little bit harder to absorb because of those phytates that I mentioned. So those compounds that are found in plants. Um, so you probably just need to be focusing on more zinc related plant foods, which to be honest, if you've got a lot of variety in your diet is relatively easy to get. We're talking, you know, tofu and almonds and pumpkin seeds. Um, and if you are, um, a vegetarian, then your yogurt or your cheddar cheese is going to also contain zinc. Yeah. Incredible. And from the contrary, in terms of things to avoid, is there any further list? Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think the only biggest thing that I see that I wouldn't recommend doing during pregnancy is protein powder. Um, And the biggest reason similar to supplements is protein powder isn't really, it's not really regulated. 
um, and it can contain lots of um, not just the protein powder. So it's not just like pea protein or almond protein or whatever. Like it's usually got other additives in it, other vitamins and minerals. So if you're taking protein powder and your supplement you're taking before you're pregnant and your prenatal, you can see how you can go way overboard. So if you do want to take protein powder, I would recommend an organic one that is literally one ingredient, just the protein powder. Um, and you wouldn't really need more than a scoop a day. I don't want people going crazy with protein. You do need it. It does increase, but you can get it from plant foods. All plants have protein, which is like, yay, that's great. You don't need these extra supplements necessarily. Um, and it's very rare to actually develop a protein deficiency. Yeah, that's so, so true. And from, I guess we're highlighting protein as a macronutrient there. If we're talking mm. about from a, a whole caloric intake, so our daily, you know, calories that were required, do they go up during pregnancy? And if so, like what trimester would we start to be looking to bump those calories up? So our overall intake of food? Yeah, great question. And we went straight to the micronutrients, didn't we? <laughs> um, but yeah, so calories, um, trimester one is pretty much the same. You don't really need anything extra. It's really about the micronutrients. So just making sure you're getting the omega-3s and the folate and the choline. Trimester two and three is when things start to increase. So we mentioned, you know, from micronutrient, your iron increases by 50% starting in second trimester. And so too does protein. So... Um, in terms of calories, we're looking at about an extra 340 to 450 calories, which is around 1,500 uh, kilojoules, give or take, um, which, to be honest, is about a small meal or a few extra snacks throughout the day. We're not talking eating for two. That is definitely a myth. <laughs> well, it's nourishment for two because those micronutrients increase, but you don't need necessarily you know, heaps more food or four meals a day or anything like that. I think from a like a psychological point of view as well, just having some reassurance that you are actually growing a small human inside of you and to not associate the extra baggage from a yeah, from like a mental point of view and, and allow yourself to to nourish um yourself and, and the growing baby inside is a really important thing to highlight there as well. Yeah, it could be really hard, to be honest. I see lots of pregnant mums really worried, really overwhelmed that they're not getting enough or they're not eating enough or whatever the reason is. And I think all you can do is do your best. And one, one tip I can give you is if you're following your hunger cues and you're not ignoring them, um, then you're going to be on the right path to getting everything that you need. Yeah, definitely. And let's not take away how incredible the the female body is again, like, and how all these changes are happening over this course of, of the growing period. It's, it's quite remarkable. So like, it's easy for a man to sit back and say like, oh my God, this is incredible. But just to have some reassurance that what's happening is, is truly magical and just give yourself a little bit of a break psychologically from that. I think it's important as well. Yeah. Off, offload I'm here for you <laughs> let me worry about all the nutrition right you just grow a healthy baby <laughs> so so true now before we wrap this sort of second trimester off in a, a bow do we have anything else to add before we get on to the third trimester and, and the final no I think that's it um 
We can potentially go more into foods to avoid if you want, but happy to go straight into trimester three. Let's do it. Let's take a deep dive into the third trimester. Yeah, so third trimester is pretty much um, baby is growing in size. So it's really about um, your calcium and your vitamin B12. I mean, these two nutrients are really important throughout the entire um, pregnancy as well. But if we're, sp- if we're focusing on what really is essential in each trimester, then calcium and vitamin B12. And the biggest reason here is because calcium is important for muscle contraction and basically the body, the, you know, um, molecules or the cells, the nervous system inside the body to be able to talk to each other as well. So those signaling molecules between cells. Um, so one thing that's important to note is that calcium needs don't actually change during pregnancy, which I always find really surprising. But what does change is the the amount of calcium that's kind of released from mum's bone. So you need to be replacing that and be making sure that you are getting um, about a thousand milligrams a day of calcium in your diet. So you can take that in a supplement if you want. And actually a thousand milligrams of calcium in a supplement has been found to reduce the risk of preeclampsia during pregnancy. So that's where you lose protein in your urine and you also have high hypertension or high blood pressure. So that's a good kind of um, uh, thing to take if you want, or you can just focus on a whole food approach, which is your your soy milks that are calcium fortified, of course, your tofus, um, any green leafies again, uh, and figs as well also have calcium in them. I think it's so incredible that all plant foods contain these micronutrients at varying amounts. So it's nothing to be concerned about at the the ratios or if we're going to just eat spinach because like if we're having a whole food varied diet we're going to be ticking a lot of these boxes without even realizing it that's the key whole food and varied the evidence actually suggests um that a well-planned and varied diet is going to be adequate for a healthy plant-based pregnancy. So what well-planned means is, yes, it's about meal planning, but also how to build that balance into your plate to make sure that you're you know, getting the right proportions of your plant proteins to your grains or your carbohydrates um, to those colourful veggies or your micronutrients. So splitting up your plate into threes when you're pregnant rather than fours <laughs> um, is probably the best way to go. Um, to make sure that you're getting all of those macronutrients. And then, of course, in the macronutrients is going to be your micros as well. I love having this conversation, Beck, because I typically have it a lot with my clients as well. And the common way we associate food being or like macronutrients, we see a potato as just carbohydrates and we don't look beyond what else is in the potato. We see, you know, um, all these other other foods and we isolate them to what their macronutrient is or but with the the amazing plant-based realm is that you're going to be ticking a lot of boxes at once if you're having that whole food varied approach so i really love that the the work is really done for you a lot of the time if we're if we're um, being varied and appropriately planning yeah absolutely i will say matt there's not always easy like sometimes you know pregnancy doesn't go to plan you don't feel very good some women are nauseous the entire way through there's other complications so yeah if you don't feel really confident um that you are ticking everything off or there's not a lot of color on your plate because you're feeling really sick 
we'll just check in with a health professional rather than taking the risk. Yeah, love that. Really, really good advice, Sam. So with calcium and vitamin B12, are there anything else, any other nutrients that we should be concerned about during this sort of last phase? No, but I will um, touch a little bit more on vitamin B12. Um, This is something that is really important that we supplement. And the reason is that vitamin B12 is needed for the fatty tissue around our nerves. So in order for our nervous system or our nerves to talk to each other, it needs like insulation. So the electrical, um, whatever you call it, to transmit from one nerve to the next can only happen if there's the fatty tissue around it. And vitamin B12 is essential in that fatty tissue. So making sure that you're supplementing enough for this you can either do daily it can be part of your prenatal um, or you can take it a few times a week Um, that's going to be the best way if you don't and you're deficient in b12 you can actually um, get irreversible damage not only your baby but also you so things like your eyesight can deteriorate your um, finger your feeling your taste anything that involves your nerves which is pretty much your whole body can actually deteriorate and cause irreversible damage if you don't catch it in time so I actually wouldn't risk that one at all (laughs) I would be taking a supplement um, and making sure that you're getting enough yeah really really great advice there Beck. and I guess leading into the delivery of the baby that you've been growing for the past nine months are there any things that we should be maximizing from birth and beyond like should we Mm. should we still be incorporating a lot of these things or is that again really tailored to to an individual's approach it it is tailored but there are a few things so in the lead up to birth trying to stay as hydrated as you can because you're probably going to be losing a lot of fluids you're going to be potentially you know in birth for multiple hours and not being able to eat and sometimes even drink so trying to keep your hydration up in the lead up to birth is really important and also post birth um and we didn't touch on iron in the third trimester but it is something that is really important because you're going to lose probably a lot, quite a lot of blood um and yeah making sure that you uh have enough stores basically In terms of post-birth, it's really important that you nourish your body for recovery. So plant-based nutrients, um, you know, these are the micronutrients, but we also have lots of other what we call phytonutrients, which are just nutrients found in plants is basically what it means, where they're, you know, anti-inflammatory properties um, that are going to help you heal. So if you can focus on those really nourishing foods, uh, warming foods as well, um, are really good for that healing process. And I guess the the journey that you're going to be going on through that nine months and, and the preconception phase as well, you're going to be armoured with all of this knowledge and all of this education on how to create a sustainable plate for longevity as well. So it doesn't just happen for the, the nine, 10 or 11, however many months that you're working within this realm. It's, it's beyond that. These are tips that, you know, you take through the rest of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can, the way that I like to work with my moms is by trimester. So, you know, the three months at least before pregnancy, obviously each trimester is three months and then post as well. So, you know, if you're feeling really overwhelmed, you know, this is a lot of information for the entire nine to 12 months, but breaking it down and just focusing on one trimester at a time and what you need over that period of time is the best way to go to to really help yourself not kind of 
throw it all in and feel like it's too hard. Yeah, definitely. Now, guys, you would know from Instagram that both Beck and I put some questions or put some boxes for you guys to ask questions about what you sort of had burning on the tip of your tongue. And I think this is a great um, point in the conversation to highlight some of those, um, particularly from, from my community as well. Uh, we had a question come in regarding some foods to avoid throughout the whole pregnancy, in particular caffeine. You know, you hear about that a lot, the avoiding ca- caffeine or limiting your caffeine. What, are, what is your thoughts on caffeine consumption during pregnancy, Beck? Yeah, so a moderate intake is what's recommended. And, you know, what does that mean? <laughs> a moderate intake is it's around two to three cups of coffee a day. So uh, anything less than that, great. Lots of mums like to stick to one cup and, you know, that's enough for the day. Um, and it also does depend on where you're getting your coffee. So some coffee shops will put two, three shots in their coffee. Others will only put, you know, one shot. So we're really looking at around, uh, off the top of my head, it's around 300 milligrams of caffeine is safe for pregnancy. Don't forget, though, that coffee is not the only place that you find caffeine. You can get caffeine in chocolate and then also teas as well. Um, So probably best to stick to that one or two range of coffees a day. Yeah, love that. I think that's something that you hear about a lot and the the misconception, we take it back to sort of like the the Facebook newsfeed nutritional advice. That's where some of these, these myths come from as well. Mm-hmm. In regards to taking it back to the preconception phase, if you're been in a situation where you're going to be planning having a child, I had a question come in about some foods to increase fertility if there are any at all. Yeah. So just back to, I suppose, those micronutrients, we really want to be focusing on uh, your omega-3s and your folates. So looking at your your avocados, your nuts and seeds, um, and uh, in terms of kind of fats, uh, your monounsaturated fats is really good for fertility. So you're going to find them mostly in plant foods generally, um, including your avocados and also extra virgin olive oil. So one of the most studied healthiest diets that you can have that's mostly plant-based is actually a Mediterranean diet. So some of the key factors they have in the Mediterranean diet is nuts and seeds, lots of plants, but also extra virgin olive oil. So if you are currently, this is a little swap that you can do. If you're currently cooking with um, either vegetable oil or coconut oil at the moment, I would be swapping that to extra virgin olive oil in the lead up to pregnancy. Really, really great bits of advice there. Had another question regarding craving control and working with some of my pregnant mums during their sort of fitness and and pregnancy journey. Some of the cravings are are outrageous and it's quite funny to hear and it's just a testament to everything that's happening within that human body. Are there any things, any foods or any nutrients of concerns that can help with craving control um, within that realm or is that something that's really sort of specific to what the cravings are? Yeah, it kind of does relate to what the cravings are. I mean, the only, in terms of craving control, we need to look at where the cravings are coming from. So if it's literally just because they're pregnant and they're craving all these like weird and wonderful things or just like bread with pickles or something really random (laughs) like that, 
then, you know, that's cool. I would actually, for most people, including plant-based moms, is to honor the craving because as soon as you don't honor the craving, it can lead to binge eating. And that's where you restrict, restrict and strict, but your mind is still thinking about it all the time. And then all of a sudden you give in and you eat, you know, triple what you potentially would have had in the first place. So if you want a cupcake or if you want a piece of bread with just butter on it, just have it and move on, you know, have it, enjoy it and move on. Um, in terms of if you're craving things like sweets, there's no evidence to actually show that what you are craving, um, is linked to a nutrition deficiency, except if it's like, uh, uh, really weird things like dirt and ice chips. If that is the case, then that's the only craving that we know is linked to a nutrition deficiency or a nutrient deficiency rather. And that is iron. So if you're feeling like you want really icy cold water or um, you wouldn't mind, you know, going in the garden and, and nibbling on some dirt, which to be honest does happen, it's called PICA, it's actually a diagnosed condition, then let's have a look at your iron levels, go get a blood test um, because you might need a little bit extra iron. Um, yeah, and then linking back to the sweet foods, often the body craves really fast carbohydrates um, because energy uh, requirements go up during pregnancy. Even, you know, in the lead up to pregnancy um, or even the lead up to your menstrual cycle, you know, before women get their period, they often, you know, have these like carbohydrate cravings and it's because energy requirements are increasing and your body wants quick, quick fuel basically to keep going. So um, try and honour them um, to event the binge eating, prevent, prevent the binge eating, but also um, any sweet carbohydrates or carbohydrates in general, pairing them with a protein is going to slow the release of glucose into the blood. So good example of this is like um, bread or crackers with peanut butter or fruit with, you know, an almond butter or nuts or something like that. Um, so a protein or a fat is going to help slow that glucose. And therefore you're going to get like a going to feel basically satisfied for longer rather than a spike that was good for, you know, two minutes and then you want more again. Yeah. Great bit of advice there. In regards to another community question, we had something around the, the supplemental phase and it was the, your personal thoughts on retinal palmitate supplement for plant-based mums to be. Yeah. So this is vitamin A. Um, there's two different types of vitamin A. There's vitamin A that you find in animals and then there's beta carotene which is the vitamin A version for plants you need to be careful with vitamin A because you can it can be toxic in high levels so um, I I don't really it depends on why this person wants to take it if it's because they're potentially deficient um, then I'd be focusing on more vitamin A containing foods um, like your beta carotene, orange veggies, um, you know, your carrots, your capsicum that you just mentioned um, before, rather than taking a supplement because you can risk going a little bit too high. It's also important to remember that vitamin A is fat soluble. So what that means is the body will hold on to any excess, um, which is, you know, why I say be careful because you can go too high and then it be toxic. If it was vitamin B12, you would just pee it out. So, yeah, I'd be questioning why you want to take this. Uh, and if you do want to continue to try and get vitamin A, then focus on the beta-carotene plant food, so your orange veggies. 
Really, really good bits of advice there. And Beck, I had one last one, which I think we sort of highlighted earlier in the discussion regarding how to optimize your folate and iron intake. Is there anything further that you'd have to add on that department or have we sort of covered that off in terms of food combinations? So much to add. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I told you 10 pages of notes, didn't I? <laughs> but folate is, uh, I think there's, there's a few things to note here. So there's folate, which is natural. That's what's found in plant foods only, not in animal foods. Folic acid is synthetic. It's made in the lab. And then folinic acid is an active form of folate. So it's also called methylated folate and has a bunch of other names as well, just to confuse everybody. But folinic acid, basically the fact that it's active means it bypasses all the processes so your body can absorb it and utilize it straight away. So if, yeah, in terms of optimizing uh, folate absorption, uh, just like the DHA, I'd be going straight to the source and getting the folinic acid uh, rather than the folic acid. And that's where it becomes really personalized in terms of the, the requirements as well for specific dosages and things like that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Weight is something that can impact the amount of folate that you need. Um, also, how many pregnancies you're having. So if you're having, you know, a singleton or twin pregnancies, also, if there's neural tube um, kind of conditions in the family on both sides, on your side or dad's side or your partner's side rather, um, this is going to impact how much folate you actually need to take. Uh, when I'm saying folate, I'm referring to folinic acid. <laughs> Just to add a spanner in the works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, I think... Um, the overall message here really is, you know, the more colour on the plate, the better. The more variety on the plate, the better. Um, and then also getting personalised advice because, yeah, depending on your, your lifestyle in the lead up to pregnancy, depending on your family history, um, all of those factors are going to impact what you do and don't need to take from a supplement form. Definitely. And I think a really important thing that I've sort of trying to implement with everything that I'm doing from this realm, not related to pregnancy, but it sort of falls under the same umbrella. It's, it's about not just nailing your nutrition side of things as well. It's a whole lifestyle. So in coming to speak to a professional that's someone like yourself that's dealing with this, you have the opportunity to identify all areas within someone's lifestyle that may be benefiting or or have a detriment to creating a great growth environment and like things we're talking about is managing your stress levels and obviously other things that we can control within our lifestyle that can definitely impact and it's not just about nailing your nutrition yes it's super super important to be working with that and optimizing your nutrients but the other things like our sleep our stress level are equally as important as well yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when I work with mums in that preconception, or future mums rather, in that preconception phase, I have like a four-step four approach and that is your sleep, your stress, slow movement because we don't want to exacerbate insulin resistance uh, and then solid nutrition as well, which is really going into, um, you know, building a, a varied and, and colourful plate as well. But all four of those things are going to impact your, your quality of your eggs and how you go into pregnancy. 
Yeah, definitely, Beck. And we hear about these horror stories on the mm-hmm. media. And I know we we're chatting off air about something that I read a few weeks ago regarding like plant-based nutrition and, and mums-to-be or plant-based nutrition for children <laughs> regarding is it safe and whatnot. And I guess we've just highlighted that it definitely is just making sure that we're appropriately planning these things and and really having a cautious approach into what's going on our plate and then what we're actually absorbing, taking that one step further as well. So I guess, yes, it is definitely safe. And the, um, there's definitely, there's health organizations out there that have highlighted this in their main message. It's just about arming yourself with that education and working with someone who is who specializes in this field. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, there's always going to be horror stories. There's always going to be the one case that didn't follow the guidelines or, you know, didn't follow their own intuition as parents and or, or didn't know, didn't know that they needed to, you know, add iron-rich foods in first for baby or whatever it is. So I think instead of guessing, if you're ever unsure, just go speak to your doctor or go speak to a dietitian or, you know, have a conversation with someone like you who can then refer on to a specialist in the space. But yeah, it's the doubt and almost the doubt and then almost feeling like you know it all that's too dangerous, both both kind of extremes. Definitely. Definitely. Sorry, Beck, I forgot to have one more community question in there. It was regarding mm-hmm. um, the sort of the male counterpart involvement in this as well. Like you obviously sp- work with females in particular, but as we know, it takes two people to tango in this situation. Do you work with with both male and female together during that preconception phase in terms of maximizing nutrients or is it more specifically with the female only? It's ideal, Matt. (laughs) If, you know, if your husband, partner, boyfriend, whoever it is that's on this journey with you comes along to those first appointments with you, they can not only support you as the mom, but also, yeah, optimize their own nutrients as well. Zinc and omega-3s are probably the two that I would be focusing on. Um, And, yeah, just remembering that an egg is only 50% of the DNA. You know, the other 50% comes from him. So, you know, really good if he's optimizing his diet as well. He doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need to be perfect. But it's those small swaps that can really go a long way. Yeah, definitely. And it's you, you touched on it just then, that perfection thing. It doesn't have to be perfect all the time. But if we've got this sort of base level of understanding and knowledge and support guidance from someone that's qualified, from loved ones, then it's going to make this process a whole lot easier and it's going to, you know, optimize that growth environment as well yeah absolutely and I you know I I touched on this before that you know I I did go kind of 100% plant-based and I did go vegan um and I I felt I I felt good from a health perspective but I from a you know mental health perspective was being really obsessive about it and it was taking away the joy from food for me. So, you know, pulling it back a little bit um, and not being so perfect all the time meant that I could actually be me um, without that expectation of having to be, yeah, uh, 100% on plant-based every day, all day, forever. Love it. And food is so beautiful. It's connection, especially coming from an Italian background. I come from an Italian background too. And like food is the center of everything. So if we can ditch yeah. the food rules and, and ditch this perfection approach, it's, um, it's going to go a whole lot way in the better for, for maximizing this. So 
Beck, I have no more community questions. I'm not sure on your end if you had any from, from your community that we haven't already highlighted before, but um, yeah, if not, thank you so much for today. If you don't have anything else to, to add to the conversation. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, we covered a lot, a lot of the micronutrients. Um, but yeah, I just, I see lots of mums trying to do this on their own. And, you know, if you're really time poor or if you're overwhelmed by all the research out there, please just reach out because, um, you know, you're probably still going to be overwhelmed in three months' time. Doing more research may actually not help because lots of um, what's out there can actually have conflicting um, kind of advice. So always best to check in with someone that you can trust that's an expert in the space. Quantity, uh, quality over quantity, hey? Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And Beck, for anyone at home that's wondering where to get in contact with you or where they can follow along with your journey and your resources that you're putting online, where can they get in touch? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram a lot, pretty much every day. So please send me a DM on there, um, touch base and let me know that you listen to this podcast. That would be great. That is plantful.pregnancy. So plantful is um, just with one L, just like healthful, but plantful. So plantful.pregnancy. Um, and then the same for my website, plantfulpregnancy.com. I'll have the direct links in the show notes for you guys as well. Beck, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to give us an insight into what it takes to optimize that growth environment and really develop a a bulletproof mindset in regards to optimizing your nutrition not only for you and the dad as well it's also for the baby too so thank you so much it was a pleasure oh it was a pleasure thank you so much matt well there you have it folks you made it to the other side beck thank you so much for giving us an insight into the role that nutrition plays from preconception all the way through to delivery of your baby. This conversation was super, super thought-provoking and great to get this nutrition science out into the public and really debunk some myths that are associated with plant-based pregnancies. I guess if you guys are still having any questions regarding plant-based nutrition and how to optimize your diet to create a great growing environment, please get in touch with Beck. I think there's definitely a gap in the market in regards to optimizing growing conditions and appropriately planning your lifestyle and the nutrition aspect involved in that when looking towards having a baby. I think personalized advice is essential for this as everybody's body responds differently to whatever you may be doing. Guys, if you found this episode helpful, insightful, don't forget to share it with a friend and let us know what you thought of the episode by shooting a message to either Beck or myself or screen grabbing your podcast cover and chucking it on social media, tagging both Beck and I. Guys, it was a pleasure sitting down with you again. I can't wait to see you next time on the Euphoria Health Podcast. Have a fantastic week. Bye for now.